I'm Asan, and this is the World Cup 2018 on the 9320 player. Um, England played last night in a friendly, and I'm delighted to be joined on this Friday morning by Sam Lee from Goal and Howard Hocking. Morning, Sam. Morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. World Cup's coming around. Can't really say fairer than that, can you? No, definitely not. And there's there's excitement building, but we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. Morning, Howard. Morning. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Thanks, not bad. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, look before we before we get into to World Cup business, uh, I've got an opening question. As uh, word filters through that Liverpool are looking very close to signing Fekir, um, what do you both make of the fact that Liverpool, once they complete this signing, will have spent upwards of two hundred and fifty million pounds in two thousand and eighteen alone? Uh, Howard, I'll start with you. Is are you concerned? Concerned as a rival, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, having won the league, I'm quite relaxed now because you know every league you get, we're not going to just have it easy. So I expect I expect rivals, and I it was pretty clear they were going to start spending big. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the French league or Fakir. He looks a handy player. But we don't know until he gets it. Just you know, if he carries that on his form, Fabinho again, some Monaco play. You know, all the Monaco players looked amazing two seasons ago. Uh, some have been a success, having moved on. Some haven't, and it's. But they do look like good signs if they get the goalkeeper sorted. Then yeah, definitely I would put them as as main rivals. Uh, but still, you know taking emotion or taking my prejudice as a City fan out of it it still remains to be seen if they can do it over a nine month period uh, whoever they sign yeah. Uh, yeah. we're still going to go into that next season as favourites but we have the handicap of, of trying to retain the title which is harder than doing it the first time or the first time after a gap anyway so yeah I think they're they're impressive signings, I think, you know, on the surface, but they'll, they'll take time to settle in. So I'm not not panicking or anything, but they're definitely going to be, they'll definitely have the best squad they've had in living memory. Yeah. Mm. Well, my memory anyway, which is terrible. So, uh, yeah, it is the best squad for a very long time, I think. Okay. Um, Sam, are you are you impressed with the with the speed and the seemingly surgical nature of their business in 2018? Because obviously they do they do Van Dyke in January. They did Kater last summer for this summer. Um, they did Fabinho quickly after the season ended, and now it looks like they're going to do Fekir as well. Yeah, it's really impressive. Um, I'm I'm not one of these people who are uh, you know. I actually get annoyed when people are saying the City are taking their time over Jorginho and Mahrez. I think it's going fine. But if you if you can do it that quickly, then brilliant. Um, and I think it. I think Liverpool have got a new a new sporting director, haven't they, Michael Edwards? And mm-hmm. and you you would imagine that that's down to him. And you know it's 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 one thing saying we want to do our transfer business early, and it's another thing to actually do it. And yeah, you, you're right. Like the speed that they'd wrapped up. Van Dyke before the transfer window had even opened in January, and then for putting off Fabinho without anybody having any idea whatsoever. Two really impressive moves, and Fakir, you know, obviously we have seen the statement that Leon put out this morning, but obviously we do think there, you know, 
they obviously want him and they they are reasonably close to getting him. And if he was about 52 million, that's not a bad price for him either. So yeah, they they are looking a bit more like a, a smooth operation at the moment. So when you've got that kind of good thing going on in the boardroom and you've got a manager like Klopp who yeah, he he does kind of, he does have his weaknesses, but you know, which manager doesn't. Um but if you've got a manager like that on the pitch and you've you've got the caliber of players to play his role you know because it's one thing having you know players who fit a role and aren't necessarily brilliant quality but they do a job but then if you've got brilliant players who do the job as well then you know there could be something reasonably special going on there next season yeah especially with especially with there's not something special going on at United that you know what whatever happens in the with the transfers They've had they've bought well on paper in the last two summers, but hasn't really, you know, clicked. And then Arsenal with like Licksteiner and Fellaini, that's mad. <laughs> um, and Chelsea certainly nothing clicking there. So yeah, Liverpool could be in for a good season. Hmm. Um, Howard, do you remember uh, a couple of summers ago when? Well, I think Klopp may have even referenced it last summer as well, but certainly two summers ago, I remember him saying that uh, he does things differently when um, referencing the spending that, that City and United were doing at the time. And, and he, he kind of went out of his way to say that he likes to do things differently and he would never spend that kind of money. Um, are all managers hypocrites? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they talk. I don't really listen to much of what they say. Uh, they talk crap most of the time, so it depends how you. Obviously, there's the net spend argument, which we all love. That if you sell someone, then spending that money isn't really spending money. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that that the team, whatever they've sold, the team that they've put together for next season, should they, let's say they spend forty million on a goalkeeper, will have cost almost three hundred million pounds to put together. So therefore, they must be expected to compete for a title if it's cost that much to put together to buy. How where the money came from is neither here nor there about whether they should compete. But yeah, Klopp. I mean, we hear it from Mourinho all the time. We hear it from Klopp. I hear it from numerous managers. You could probably embarrass them all by going over old quotes. It's just the nature of the game. I don't really take much notice of what they say. So, yeah. and I do okay. think he's a hypocrite. Big time, or just uh, yeah. Just one I mean, of many who say this sort of thing. I, I think that uh, I, personally, I always bristle when um, managers of of clubs who are big clubs complain about other clubs spending. And I think for Klopp to kind of go down that road was a bit pathetic because ultimately, for them to compete, they were always going to have to spend money. And now they are spending money, which is what all their supporters wanted as well. Three years ago, they were all, even two years ago, they were all going on about how, you know, FSG aren't backing Klopp and FSG aren't the right owners. And, you know, they need they need somebody who's willing to invest in the club and in the team. And now, now they have that. I just, uh, I, I guess that I, I, part of me always felt like, you know, they're going to have to spend to back Klopp to give him a side that, that can challenge City. And so it was daft of him to make those comments two years ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that, that Guardiola kind of takes a different route in the sense that he always says 
It's not about me. It is about the players. And I am lucky because I have got top players and I couldn't do what I'm doing without top players. And top players cost loads of money. It's just it's a reality that, that you know, all top clubs have to deal with. So it's always weird when managers start moaning about it. That's my thought anyway. Uh, okay, Sam, do you have a second team in the World Cup? After England, if England are indeed the first team. I was going to say, maybe England would be the second team now. I'm, I'm coming around <laughs> to them a bit. Uh, no, I I just want it to be good. Honestly, I just want it to be good. I'd like Spain to win it because I'd win money. I'd like Argentina to win it um, for Messi and because I like Argentina. Uh, but if Brazil won it, that'd be great. Um, and I like England. So they're fair, fair play to them. I, I think we'll, we'll talk about this shortly, but they've got an exciting team uh i've probably fallen into the trap i've said a few times i'd never fall into again but whatever uh but no no my as as weird as it sounds and maybe this has just become for me as a united fan watching city for the last three years and but i i don't i don't know i don't go into games or tournaments really thinking of who are who what who i want to win i don't seem to watch football anymore and cheer somebody on which is a bit sad really uh, but I, I genuinely hope football to be the winner because there's been a few Duff World Cups. And That's true. Mm. I, 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 I genuinely, I, I just want it to be to be a good World Cup. Okay. And I think the four. I think Michael Cox, Zona Markin, tweeted it the other day. Said that you know that the, the overall quality is much worse than the last World Cup, but the top teams are much better. And I think that's been obvious for a while. And the the knockout stages quarterfinals onwards could be really special there should be a lot of good teams in there and a lot of interesting mixes you know there could be some blowouts if Spain play Argentina again like they did in that friendly it could be another blowout but if Argentina play France you've got two reasonably unbalanced teams there with a lot of quality and anything could happen so yeah I just I'm, I just want it to be good Okay uh, Howard what about for you you got a second team? Uh, no I never have a second team in anything so but I guess Likewise with Sam, probably if I'm going to go down that route, it would be linked to City players. So I'd, 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 I'd want the winning team to have a City player in it. Uh, but there's so many, I'd be happy for them to win. I'd, I'd love to see David Silva win the trophy. Uh, but you know he's done it before and I'd love to see Sergio Aguero win it. Uh, but I don't think they will. So... That's the only route. I'll just you know, if the city players in there, then it may pique my interest a bit more, and I may support them a bit more. But I can't think of any specific second team that I would follow now. Okay, yeah, no have you got one? Is, is it I, France? Um, I think it'll have to be France, really, won't it? Yes, yeah. I uh, I live here, and and my uh, my wife's French, and a lot of my friends are French. So, and also to be honest with you, I. Uh, I really like that that French attack. Mbappe, Griezmann, and um, and Dembele is uh, is pretty sexy. I, I I wouldn't want to face them if I was a if I was a defender at the World Cup. Mm. So yeah, um, I guess it'll have to be France. Okay. So what is the mood um, in France? Is it is there excitement for World Cup? Is the um, tabloid yeah. drivel being spewed out? <laughs> No, or is it a completely really, different sort of situation? Yeah, they don't really roll like that. It's it's a very different situation. I think that, you know, I think they're quietly optimistic. I, do, I don't think that as a nation, they're united behind Deschamps. And I think that that's yeah. probably where the... Um, I think if they had a different manager in charge with this collection of players, they'd be a lot more bullish about going, we might actually win this. Um, 
But with Deshaun in charge, I feel like there's a little bit more apprehension. Uh, but they have just got a ridiculous amount of quality there. You, you really can't argue with the with the quality that they have. And I'm quite surprised actually, because when we did the, when we did the podcast the other day and we were talking about favorites, you know, most mm. people seem to think Spain and, and Germany are favorites and nobody's really giving France a look in. And that just kind of surprises me because you kind of write those players down on paper and it's not like, you know, I think that for example, the, the attack that France has is better than the attack that Spain has. It's arguably better than the attack that Germany have as well certainly in terms of the number of goals that they have in the uh, in their front three. So, um, so yeah, it does surprise me a little bit that, that more people don't fancy France to, to go all the way. Uh, okay, so England played Costa Rica last night in a friendly. Um, I want to start by talking about Delph because he, it was a little bit of a surprise when he was chosen to go to the World Cup. Um, and a few people said that he was chosen over Ryan Bertrand uh, and that he was going to fight for the left-back spot. But then last night he played in midfield. Um, Sam, what did you make of his performance to begin with? Um, I thought it was... Well, basically, I don't think he's going to play much in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it was pretty quiet. when You know, when he played on that left of the three... Fair enough. He didn't have he didn't have a lot of defensive work to do. Um, he didn't get forward an awful lot. Um, Rose was obviously charged with providing the width down that side, which is fine because you know if you've got wing backs, then that's going to happen. But it just seemed like he was just there, you know, filling a hole. Basically, he didn't you know? Obviously, if he hadn't have been there, the job the job needed doing. But mm. I just I don't know. I kind of get the feeling that somebody else. Maybe somebody just with a bit more recent experience of playing in midfield, to be fair to him. Um, but somebody else would have been able to bring a bit more to the role. Certainly in terms of going forward, I didn't think he actually offered a lot and he, he was just there. I actually thought he looked a lot more com- uh, comfortable when he moved to the back of the midfield with about half an hour to go. Mm. Um, but he didn't have, a, again, he didn't have a lot to do then, but I, I thought he just looked a bit more comfortable on the left hand side of it. Yeah, I just thought he, he was fine, he was competent, but. You'd probably want a, a bit more. You know, there should there should be a lot coming from that midfield three in that kind of system, and I'm I'm not sure if there was enough. I'm not sure they've got the players there. To be honest with you, I don't know. Out of curiosity, who in the England squad do you think in that position could provide a little bit more going forward? That is, yeah. Well, this this is this is the issue, isn't it, with England? Um, it's it's the midfield. Um, I, I I kind of preferred the the setup against Nigeria, where you've got the cut and thrust by having Sterling, Ali, and Lingard all behind Kane. I thought that was brilliant. And it, I mean, look, we're not expecting England to win the World Cup with either system, but if they're going to go with one, I'd, I'd I'd prefer that cut and thrust to come from the one against Nigeria on Saturday because I th- I think that could be really exciting. So mm-hmm. yeah, in 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 the system they played last night against Costa Rica. There is nobody who could probably do Delft's role as well as you'd expect, you know, other other nations to be able to do it and other players from other countries to be able to do it. Uh, but I think it's just probably for me, it's just proof that they should go with the Nigeria approach, basically. Mm. Howard, what about for you? Yeah, well, I was a bit more impressed than Sam. I think, and the feedback generally, you know, from reports had him as man of the match most of the time. 
if you know what Glenn Hoddle said, which is obviously pick the person who scored a goal, which <laughs> is his just default, you know, approach to uh, uh, the Rashford. Obviously, did play well, so not, not the worst choice ever. No, I thought he was excellent, and he had uh, he brought his City philosophy with him. He had, I think, he had like ninety seven percent pass completion rate as well. So he did everything we we know he can do. It just still surprises me that other fans of other teams don't understand. I mean, he's been around enough. Just because he's been injured a lot, people forget about him. But he's a tidy, athletic, he pressed, and, you know, he can control the ball and good movement and energy and all the things we know he can do. And he's uh, and he's very adaptable. You know, he was moved into a different position. I agree with Sam. He's, you know, barring an, a mini-injury crisis, he's not starting, certainly, the first couple of games but is a, a great squad option there uh, and but to be honest is he is he any worse than the alternatives it, it is the problem area of the field so uh, he could do a job as good as anyone else but he's not going to get the nod let's be honest well I, I slightly disagree with both of you in that I, I think that um I think you're right. In the first two group games, the games where we expect to have most of the ball and, and we expect to do most, if not all, of the attacking, um, I I don't see him getting in. But at the same time, I think if we get further into the tournament and we play better teams, I think that the the defensive intelligence that Delft provides, as well as the stability that him and Rose had on that left-hand side... Um, I think might be really, really, really important. So I think that Delph maybe isn't somebody who will start the tournament, but I think he's somebody who could seriously come into play as an important player in that midfield if we do progress a little bit further. Um, I was really impressed with him last night. I, I have to say that I do think that he brought a little bit of his uh, of his city confidence and his city form Um into into the game last night and he was he, I think Sam's right he doesn't he didn't offer enough in the final third um, but at the same time I, I don't know if I don't know what I don't know in that system what the right balance is whether you need somebody who provides something in the final third more or whether you need somebody who provides that defensive solidity a little bit more and as I say I think that might be a game by Game by game thing. Um, I guess the other thing on the left hand side was uh, was Danny Rose playing at, at wing back. Um, Sam, how do you think he did, and and who would you give the nod to, him or Ashley Young? I thought he was really good, and yeah, I'd play him instead of Young. Um, Young's had some good games for United there. He's had some shockers. Uh, I think what's I mean, he's always going to come onto his right foot, isn't he? And I don't yeah. think you can be well fine in the first two group games. You may maybe can. But I just don't think he can be that one-dimensional and that predictable. Uh, it, it was, you know, even before Rose's good performance last night, I thought it was good anyway. I was thinking, you know, we can't have Young at left back at the World Cup. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd go with Rose definitely. Okay, uh, Howard, what about for you? Yeah, were you impressed with him? Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, not everything came off, but. Uh, How does his fitness look considering well, that's been, uh, That's what I'm going to say. But he's, he's got the time when we've got the first two games. We can put him in. He looks... Yeah, the match fitness, it's just... He'll have to grow into the tournament, basically. So, But we do have the fixture list that allows him to do that. 
he seems mm. fit enough to be able to start that first game. Not every cross came off, not every pass came off, but yes, he's definitely what Sam says should be the starter. Hopefully, he just you know, just irons out the creases basically with each passing half hour of a match. And uh, yeah, he's come. Obviously, his scene's been a bit truncated, and he's obviously spoken at length and passionately and eloquently this week about other problems. But this is an escape for him, so he clearly wants to perform here this summer. And yeah, you've got got to have a left-footed left back. Uh, is the most natural left left back. I do like Young as a player, but yeah, too predictable. Don't won't allow any overlaps because we know we know what it's going to do all the time. So it's got to be Rose for me. Okay, um, and Howard, just sticking with you, same on the other side, really. Um, Trippier versus uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, what did you make of Trent last night? I mean, he's really young. He's like 19 years old and obviously going to the World Cup will be a big thing for him. Do you think he looked phased last night? That's the first question. To be honest, I'm probably not the best pers- person to ask because I don't remember a lot of <laughs> of what he did. My own, uh, I'll let you answer that one after. But to be honest, no, it, ha- it has to be trippier for me. I don't... I think we're getting ahead of ourselves, Alexander. And obviously, a brilliant prospect, and he's played in big pressure matches all season. You know, in the Champions League, so it's not as if he's going to be that fate. I mean, it's a different challenge for your national team. Maybe it's bigger than playing Champions League for Liverpool. I don't know. Only he can, only he can comment on how he how he feels the pressure differently. But he's not ready to be playing. I don't think he's good enough or ready enough to be in that position yet and I think Southgate will go with a more experienced and uh, older uh, fullback but you know he's a good option to have again in the squad uh, mm. as I say he's not I don't think he's looked particularly phased no I just don't think he's the finished product yet what do you think did you watch the match more than I mean I missed the first 15 minutes or so uh, okay. but yeah nothing stood out for me with him but then it doesn't have to that doesn't mean he's played badly Uh but I just don't think he quite offers enough yet for me. I think that I think the interesting thing for me with Trippier is, and I'll be interesting to see what Sam thinks is, uh, uh, Trippier's quite slow in comparison to Trent, and and I just wonder if the way that England are going to set up and play at this World Cup, whether having pace in those because you're playing with three centre backs, in theory, you should have a little bit more defensive solidity. And those wing backs should have a little bit more license to get forward. Um, I think probably technically Trent is a better footballer than than Trippier is, and I think he's faster. So I mean, I'm glad I don't have to choose uh, because I think it's a little bit tighter than than maybe. Or certainly, if I was making that call, I'd, I'd find it to be a little bit of a of a tighter call. Um, and I think also in terms of just in terms of the experience, I think. You know, as much as 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 Trippy has experienced, he's with the best will in the world. He's he's experienced at being turned over in in European competitions, whereas uh, Trent has gone to the got to the Champions League final, and they did have a a, a decent run in Europe. So I, I I don't I don't necessarily put quite as much stock in Trippier's overall experience. Um, Sam, what about you? Well, this is the mad thing. Um, what if I play Carl Walker, Walker centre back? Just play Carl Walker. 
<laughs> yeah. But I mean, there are, to be fair, there are enough centre-backs. You know, I'm under the impression, I, I don't know where I've got this from, maybe I'm wrong. I think Stones and Cahill are definitely going to be two of the three. And yeah. then you've got Maguire and Jones, and yeah, both have got mares in them. Um, Jones more so on the spectacular mare front. Um, but you just just pick one of those three and then use Walker. Uh, surely... Surely that that is will what that is what will happen. Get my words right there. But obviously against Nigeria at the weekend, it was Walker at, at centre back and, and Trippier played. So it's hard to know. But it, I mean, look, I, I do think this is a good England side, and I do think you know the the players are likable, and there's a good system, and Southgate knows what he's doing, and he's his own man. But the Walker thing doesn't make sense. Just just play Kyle Walker. If he's going to play him a centre-back, I'd probably go with Alexander-Arnold. And look, there are weaknesses there. We saw how he got undone um, against United uh, when Rashford got the better of him. And, you know, that could happen at the World Cup. But, you know, that could happen to Trippier as well because Trippier is probably, he's, I don't know, he's probably a, a bit more solid overall, but a bit more mediocre. And there's no guarantees that he's not going to make any mistakes either. So I'd, I'd go for, for the young lad. If, we, if we're not mm. having Walker, but just play Walker there. God, he's just so much better than both of them at the moment. Yeah, but I, have to, yeah, but I assume he wants to put pace into defence as well, so centre defence, sorry. And that's why Walker's yeah. there is to cover to cover slower central defenders partners, I don't know. But not that I'm disagreeing with you, yeah. The obvious answer is put Walker bombing up the right wing, so See, I, I'm 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 gonna disagree with you both again. I, I quite like Kyle Walker on the right side of that. No, I like it, but there's you just got other centre backs you can have, and you haven't got a right back who's anywhere near as good. So, but yeah, yeah, but I don't. I'm not necessarily. I mean, certainly, I'm not convinced by Skill Jones. I think that, um, yeah, I, I I don't think that Phil Jones is the answer. Um, I, I think maybe uh, Maguire, Stones, and Cahill is a little bit too inexperienced. I think in in Stones and Maguire, then you've got two guys who. You know, maybe don't have quite the experience to. I don't know. I just. I, I think having. I think having Walker Stones and, and Cahill as a back three to me is actually pretty impressive. And as I say, I really like Trent. Uh, I think that he's got the potential to be a, a top fullback in, in in years to come. And and yeah, I think as I agree with you, Sam. I think Trippy is maybe a bit more solid, but a bit more mediocre. But I, personally, I'd go with. Uh, I'd go with with Trent's. Uh, with his pace and his, his technical quality. Um, so, Howard, you touched upon Rashford. Um, firstly, what did you make of his performance last night? It, yeah, it was, I mean, obviously the goal, which Lee Dixon seems to think was a, a goalkeeping mistake, but not convinced, obviously, now that's not the biggest guy. Uh, yeah, it was an impressive performance, but I'm still not convinced that he's had the performances over a long period of time uh, you know, to be a starter for England however he, he is one that looked livelier when playing for his national side uh, obviously you could blame Mourinho for all of that but I don't think we can just put it all on Mourinho he's still for me a developing player and nowhere near the f- finished product and I don't think we should let you know a long range shot we can't rely on him just pinging it in from 30 yards in the World Cup you know, to every match I think we have to look at the wider picture and for me he's not he doesn't contribute enough still regularly even if he is a top prospect but he is lively 
And again, we're, this is, as you've already alluded to, it's a, a team that's going to be pretty pacey and it gives that dynamic, you know, it brings dynamism to the to the side. So for me, still another backup, another, you know, option to bring off the bench rather than a starter. But, you know, the commentators last night were suggesting that it's now a 50-50 with Sterling about, you know, a starting spot at the World Cup. Uh, I don't think it is. I, I would look more at Lingard for, you know, for who is, who might fall out of that team. Uh, but, mm. well, I, but he has put in, actually, you know, he's put in good performances for England. So you know, club forms irrelevant in a way. Uh, but I still think he's hot and cold sometimes. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of it, you'll you'll laugh. Um, maybe Sam will laugh as well. He reminds me of Balotelli at that age. In that, I remember Balotelli when he when he was that young. He had that. You know, he had that worldy in him, do you know what I mean? Out of nowhere from 30, 35 yards out, he could ping the ball into the back of the net. Uh, and he has, you know, he's dynamic and he has got a little bit of that explosive pace, but he does blow very hot and cold. Um, and he does seem a little bit like a one-trick pony. I don't know how many times last night he tried the same piece of skill. And okay, it came off a couple of times, but it didn't come off like six, seven times as well. Um, I think any commentator that was saying that, that it's even 50-50 between him and Sterling doesn't know what they're talking about. Sterling is so, so, so far ahead of Rashford and is uh, just in his understanding of the game, his kind of tactical uh, discipline is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, he's on another level. So I don't think that's, I don't think that's, uh, that's a real conversation. I think the, the what you touched upon there about Lingard is a real conversation. Uh, I'll throw this over to you, Howard, and then Sam, I'd like you to answer it as well. Is there an argument for figuring out a way to fit Sterling and, and, and Rashford in at the same side? And is the answer to that to play Sterling in the Lingard position? So have Sterling and a, another number eight, so to speak, uh, and then have Rashford and Kane in front of them. What what do you make of that, Howard? Or do you think that Raz isn't quite ready to play that number eight role? Yeah, I'm not at national level. I'm not sure he is ready. Uh, it it's an electric lineup. You know, it's pace and they can alternate. And no, I, I quite like the sound of it. I just yeah, you I'm know, still just I just feel very may about Lingard still. Uh, obviously, he does perform a role. Uh, and he's another player who doesn't let his country down. Yeah, I think he's tailed off at club level in the second half of the season. Not that I've watched all the United, but it was you know he had that real purple patch for United scoring goals left, right, and centre earlier in the season. Uh, uh, now I wouldn't want. It's too late now to be messing around anyway and asking Sterling to do that. We've got to let him get on with you know where he's been played. And hope you know he needs one goal sterling as well, just to just to get the people off his back. But people with better tactical knowledge would to ask me if that would work. You know, could could explain better if that works with Rashford. But for me, it is a more exciting lineup. It just depends. Will it Lingard offers more? You know, further back, and would it leave gaps? Yeah, he's a bit of a link, isn't he? He's that yeah, link up man. You, I mean, I don't think he's a perfect player, but the he's probably better suited to it. If you do that, so sorry, Samuel. No, you, you may isolate the midfield if you put Rashford in. There could be big gaps behind them. Yeah, Sam, he's, I don't think I don't think Lingard's the perfect player, but in terms of suitability to the role, he's the, he is the link man between 
um, you're attacking in midfield. And especially when, again, against Nigeria the other day, the only man back in midfield was Eric Dyer. And he lost the ball a lot. Um, he, he gives it away a lot. And if you've got people stranded up the pitch, you're obviously going to be in trouble. And I just think Lingard, while he's not, he's not a great player, don't get me wrong, but I think in terms of carrying out the role, um, he is, in my mind's eye, he's a, he just, he's more of a link. He's, he plays a bit deeper and probably a bit more security than Sterling. Obviously Sterling, in my opinion, is a much better player, but in terms of suitability for the role, um, yeah, probably stick with Lingard and just how it was and go, go with that. Um, from from the Nigeria game. But I know what you mean. The temptation is to put Rashford up there with Kane because that really would give defences something to think about. And then you've got Sterling and Ali as well. But I just think whether it's uh, Dyer or Henderson, they've, they've got a big job on there. Yeah, definitely. Um, there seems to be a strange kind of optimism building around England uh, at the moment, which feels different in that... Generally, uh, optimism is couched with a hell of a lot of cynicism when it comes to the English national team. But just even from a very personal point of view, I don't really feel like that. I've enjoyed watching the friendlies. I really enjoyed... I mean, it's it's been a lot of years since I can say that I've watched England play and it just enjoyed it. And I have just enjoyed it. Um, Howard, I'll start with you. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think there's this kind of optimism building? And do you think that there's less cynicism around the England team than in previous tournaments or previous years? Well, I'd hope that it's a younger side that there's just less pressure on those players and the players have been allowed to get on with it. But I think part of it's just style of play. Uh, now, I'm not saying it's like watching Brazil 70 or even watching City, but... You know, England a few years ago, or many, you know, you can pick loads of years. It's just turgid to what I mean, just so dull, utterly dull. Didn't lose many games, but you know, it was just plodding. And I've just seen it's the pace, it's the vi- the energy and the vitality of young players put in a team just transforms how you feel about a football team. Uh, you just have to look at City changing fullbacks or putting pace, how we, you know, our teams become pacier up front how it transforms a team and I just think you know I said last time as well we kind of gave up on all this we're going to win the world you know we're going to win everything about 10-15 years ago we realised we weren't that good uh, and it's just better to enjoy the experience and what happens happens but it's a young vibrant side and I think that's the key thing and Southgate who for me was an underwhelming appointment is so far doing a very good job of managing them and managing the expectations. Um, do you think that the Sterling stories that that kind of broke last week, do you think in a weird way they've had a galvanising effect, not just upon the squad, but also upon the country somehow, just in terms of the way that they view the England team? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good point because you, know, you had your Liverpool United fans saying to get off his back. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and it certainly changed. You know, I mean, Sterling was posing with fans doing selfies last night at the ground, uh, but away from Wembley, you get a much better atmosphere anyway. I just think, yeah, within, I certainly would have galvanised the group because they'll be very protective of each other. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I mean, 
there's been pro-Sterling articles coming out. I think the media themselves have been, you know, parts of it have been shocked by the response to those Sterling stories, the original Sterling stories. So now you've had the, oh, Sterling's, you know, f- overcome all these difficulties. So the backlash with the positive articles have come out in certain newspapers in the last week. It's all very predictable, but it feeds into people's consciousness. So I do think people are getting a bit protective of this group because... You know that they do see a brighter future as well because there's there's a lot of players in there that could still be playing in ten years' time. Yeah, um, Tom. What about for you? Are, are you optimistic, and do you feel the general optimism in the country? It always comes back, though, doesn't it? it you know, we we did reach that stage of people realizing that England aren't going to win the World Cup, but. It always comes back. It always comes back. Just before the tournament, you'll get a, oh, maybe they will be right this time. It was it was the same it was the same four years ago. It was, oh yeah, Hodgson seems to be doing things quite well. You know, the players seem, you know, realistic about their chances. They've got a decent team. We'll see what happens. And then yeah, it's exactly the same. And the Euros, Christ, the Euros were just awful. But it was the same thing again of, oh yeah, we won't win it, but you know, we'll go and give it a good go. And it was just just worse than ever we imagined. So I'm, I'm not surprised that there's this element of, of optimism that's come back. Um, and it's it's funny because I'm exactly the same as, as both of you, I expect. Uh, I, I like how, you know, the, the, to, well, to be fair, the, the England like PR team, the press team, they, they, have, they have done a great job. Um, you, you wouldn't have seen it last night, Asan, but there was like a, a, there's an advert for Aldi with Sterling walker and cahill in it and it just it just perfectly fits in to to this idea that is being put across at the moment that the england squad are basically a great bunch of lads and wow it's yeah it's just it's just nice it's got it's got Braden brent in it bent um the young lad who does all the city stuff and other kids and stuff just asking them questions and the players messing around and that I'll, i'm sure we'll be able to find a link for it um and it's yeah it's just it just perfectly sums up this idea that they're a great bunch of lads. They're they're an exciting team. Southgate knows what he's doing, and maybe this time, you know, we won't embarrass ourselves. But this is the trap we always fall into for different reasons, and I still wouldn't be surprised if it, if they didn't get out of the group somehow, just because it's just how it always goes, and you've always got to be careful. You you, you never know you're in the trap, do you? And we might be in the trap again. Yeah, yeah. One bad, yeah, I one mean, bad uh, performance and. Uh... Everything changes again. Yeah, the, pre- the media backlash will start, won't it? So. Of course. And I just, I, I guess that I'm not, when I say that I'm optimistic, it's not uh, It's not that I'm sat here going, I'm optimistic that England are going to win the World Cup. Oh, no, I think that where I'm, where I'm more optimistic is I feel this time round, and maybe, you know, this will also prove to be wildly optimistic, but I feel this time round they won't embarrass themselves. I feel as though they'll give a decent account of themselves because they'll play for each other and they'll play as a team. And, you know, a lot of them are coming off good seasons for their for their clubs or seasons in which they feel they will have achieved a lot and they'll just I feel as though a lot of those players will go there either feeling like they've got nothing to lose or feeling like they're confident because of the club season that they've had and and I think that that will uh, that will help uh, okay <laughs> on that on that wildly optimistic note I want you both to pick me the team that you'd start with in the opening group game Howard I'll start with you well, it's a team I think will start, so I don't know if it's mine or what he will pick. Uh, Pickford, Trippier, Stones, Walker, Cahill, Rose, 
Dyer, Elliot Lingard, Sterling Kane. Okay. Sam? Um, Pickford, back three of Stones, Cahill, Maguire, Walker at right back, uh, Rose at left back, Henderson in midfield with Ali Lingard, Kane and Sterling all ahead of him in some kind of blur of pace and energy. Mm. Okay. To be honest, if it was okay. me, yeah, Dyer out. I don't really rate Dyer. And yeah, maybe the Walker thing as well, but maybe the central defence is too slow then, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I think I'd, I'd go with... Um, uh, I'd go with Pickford in the back three of Walker Stones and and um, Cahill. Uh, I'd probably play with in that opening game. I'd probably play with Henderson, Sterling, and Ali as a as as the kind of midfield, and then I'd play with Rashford and and Kane in front of them, and I'd give them that opening game to kind of see if having all of those attacking players on the pitch means that they can unlock a side who maybe will be sat quite deep um, and then make the call from there as to whether that's something that's doable. I don't actually think he'll do it, but that's the, the question was the, the the team that you'd pick. So so that would be the team that I would pick anyway. Um, okay, I'm not going to ask either of you to predict how far you think England will go in the World Cup because that's just nonsense. We'll have to wait and see how uh, how the tournament starts before we start thinking about that. Um, okay, before before we wrap this uh, this edition of the World Cup 2018 on the 9320 player up, uh, we've got the small matter of the transfer window. And Sam, since we've got you on here, um, we're going to have to talk about some transfers. So firstly, uh, this week we've finally seen some alternative names to Jorginho in uh, Lamina, Mario Lamina from, from Southampton and uh, Kovacic from Real Madrid. Um, what's your feeling there, Sam? Do they seem like players realistically that if there's an issue with the Jorginho transfer that City will be looking at? No, I'm not having that. I'm not having it. I, I t- before those names came out, I did tweet because... It, the agent had said it. I think it was in a, some of the Italian papers that City have got this idea that City have always got three names for every position. But that's not true. Last last summer they went after Alexis Sanchez. They were balls out for Alexis Sanchez until the last minute, and they tried for Mbappe as well. Yeah, there were there were kind of other people around. You know, gen, just generally like fast players. Not to the stage where, right, if we don't get him, we're just going to go and be able to to get this other bloke. You know, there, there's no other real viable options, especially because, you know, Fred, Fred was one. Obviously, he's gone to United in the meantime. And back in January, Fred was the main choice and Seri was the second choice. But look, in the meantime, Seri is most likely going somewhere else. It's I'm, And I'm not having it that these are the two names either. So, But basically, before the two names came out, I tweeted that, but this this talk of City having a couple of backups is just a negotiating tactic. You could tell, I think, in my opinion, because it came from the agent publicly. It was in the Italian press, and sure enough, later on, it came out in the English press as well. Um, and at the time, this was a day after the Pjanic rumours, which again, I just think, I think basically, I think this is a separate issue. That's just an Italian newspaper talk. There's so many English clubs get linked with Italian-based players 
most of the time it's just absolute nonsense for all the time you know that they're, they're really on top of the transfers that are actually happening but there's so many supposed bids and interests from english clubs which is just nonsense so that that's part of it as well basically the bottom line is city are just negotiating city City are saying, oh, look, we've got these other targets. And they've they briefed the English press. The Italian press have got hold of it somehow. Um, and the agent is, I think the agent, it's probably fair to say the agent's on board with Cheeky because he wants Jorginho to come to City. And he's, you know, he's. I think he's talked more than any agent I can remember about an ongoing transfer. So, yeah, mm. I, I think, the whole, as I said initially, the whole idea of City having two other viable options, it's not right. They they want Jorginho. They're going for Jorginho. It's a negotiating tactic. And as far as these two names go, no, I don't think so. I'm not having it. Well, neither of them are holding midfielders. Yeah, and that's the player that that Guardiola wants. So even whoever's thrown those names out there, I don't think they. Well, I know for a fact they don't fit the profile of player that Guardiola wants. So. Even if somebody at City is saying that, oh, well, if we don't get Jorginho, we're, we're interested in Lamina or Kovacic. I'm not sure that Peppers. Um, Howard, are you concerned? I mean, I guess it's the same every transfer window, right? That deals are never done fast enough for the supporters. Um, I, I, I've seen again in the last week a lot of, oh, this is typical cheeky, this. Now, it, should we really be bothered when pre-season training doesn't start for another month, six weeks or something like that, even even longer than that? Does it really matter when a deal is done as long as it's done before pre-season training? No. <laughs> that, was, that was an easy enough answer. Not sure what else I can say. No, oh, the actual, yeah, the absolute panic and not signing. Obviously, we want it. Oh, we don't. I guess the panic is not in the timing. It's until it's until he signs on that line, it could fall through. We've obviously had a lot mm. of close calls. Every club has a lot of close calls. Uh, so that's where the panic is. It's not do we sign him in August or do we sign him in June. It's just it could fall apart and never sign him. So I guess that's where it's at. But all, you know, I'm not an insider. I don't have any knowledge, but from everything you read, uh, City wants him. He wants to come. The agent wants him to come. Everyone wants it to happen. So it's just eventually City, you know, if if City don't, you know, if Cheeky can't get the, the fee down, we'll just pay it. But at the end of the day, they will, obviously it's normal and logical to try and get a good deal first, not just pay whatever's asked of them. That's the city of old, and we don't do that anymore. So uh, until it's signed, and obviously they'll be worried because you want you want them in the you want it done, and you know, you know so that so it can't go wrong then. But yeah. it doesn't matter when it happens, just as long as it's not the last day of the. But yeah, you know, even the, the transfer window starts bef- uh, finishes before the start of the season, so. It's, you know, we can't sign him after the season starts anyway. So whenever it is, doesn't matter as long as it happens at some point. Mm. Um, now the owner of Napoli is is notoriously difficult to to deal with. Um, Sam, should that be a cause for concern in terms of? Do you think that this is the kind of deal, and he's the kind of personality where City could walk from the table and and actually go, yeah, we're just never going to get we're never going to agree on a price here. No, because City is so diligent with their transfers. 
and right, fine. They might end up in the same mistake, the same situation as they were in last year with Alexius, where they thought Arsenal would negotiate eventually. And they were right, because Arsenal did. But it was too late. So maybe maybe they could be guilty of falling into that same mistake twice. But they're so diligent with their transfers. You know, they know who the president is. They, they know what he's going to be like. That have got some, you know, they obviously they're obviously confident enough that they'll be able to do something because they can start saying, "Oh yeah, we've got these other players." Because they obviously think Napoli are in a position where, at the end of the day, they do want to sell him and they do want to make good money on him. Uh, and maybe mm. the whole Sarri thing with Chelsea hasn't played out the way that De Laurentiis wanted, so they're probably in a bit of a weaker position. But I mean, the the, on, the only thing is, it could just get to a stage where De Laurentiis is so mad and demanding that they just think it's too much but I don't know because like I say Jorginho is the main guy they want and any other targets they may have looked at in the past aren't good enough they will have gone somewhere else in the meantime it's just it'll get to that stage I would imagine where they'll just do it like I would say they'll 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 just find some kind of compromise because you know it's not like last summer where they needed well, they wanted nine different players. They only want two. And they only, you know, of that deep line midfielder now, they only want Jorginho. So if if they don't get it done, then I'll, basically I can't I can't foresee a situation where they don't get it done. Because even if De Laurentiis is mad, Cheeky will just have to do it because yeah. they, they need Jorginho. Yeah. And they did, I mean, look, they, 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 they did a deal with Daniel Levy last summer for Carl Walker. And yeah, exactly. uh, we all thought it'd be a nightmare. And, and in the end, it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be. And we got him in at the right time. So, um, look, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm very confident that this gets done actually, uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just in, in terms of the fact that, you know, I, I think that, I think that that story about Lamina and Kovacic was probably the end game. Um, and that, you know, the following morning there will have been a conversation between Napoli and City where it will have been, right, okay, let's stop playing games now and just get this deal done. So, so yeah, I think it'll be done sooner rather than later. And I feel very, very confident. Um, Sam, all quiet on the Mares front. Any news your end? No, my, no, it's just... This, it just happens just because Liverpool are signing players quickly you know I don't think we should adjust our expectations of City's deals um, what is it oh god what's his name Je- the guy at the Telegraph Percy James Percy Je- is it James Percy yeah John I Percy think so, yeah. I can't remember anyway Mr Percy is John Percy excellent for the Midlands the Midlands football scene and if he's saying that Roberts is the one back on the table then Roberts is the one back on the table um so that's the that is a legit update, you know. Whereas with Jorginho, you've got two different sources in Italy saying offers have been made, and they're completely different offers. This one, as far as the Morris thing goes, yeah, it will be around Roberts. And again, the agent's not talking, and normally he does. So that's a sign that you know it, there's just one team in it. It's City. They're working towards it. It looks now like Leicester. You know. We wouldn't have got to this stage of getting Roberts involved if Leicester weren't going to sell. You know, Leicester are willing to sell; they're just working out the price, and it it just it just takes a bit of time. So, yeah, and and, and again, City do have more alternatives this this time. You know, there's there's Leon Bailey who they who they could turn to, 
but it, they are they are far down the the Mares path. So yeah, there's there's not really been too much in terms of updates, either you know public or private, um, or anything worth publicising. But I think it'll be. I think that's kind of inevitable. There's probably more more inevitable than um, Jorginho. But yeah, as you said, Jorginho, I think, is sooner rather than later, despite the meltdowns that everyone's having. <laughs> hey, Sam, can I uh, yeah. ask you something? Go for it. Uh, you you saying off air, there was an interesting conversation on Twitter last night that you saw that possibly could link to Mares. I mean, as Sam said, but I'm, I'm, I think he you know, was an outsider who almost certainly signed Mares. But... Problems with PSG could possibly link into this. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I saw an interesting exchange between uh, Gab Marcotti and uh, Jonathan Johnson, who is uh, ESPN's correspondent for Paris Saint-Germain. He's actually really close to the club. Um, And the upshot of it was that Jonathan was saying that Paris expect that they are going to be sanctioned. There is almost an acceptance there that that they're going to get sanctioned. Um, and it's just a question of the extent of the sanctions. And I didn't quite realise there. I mean, they think it's a worst case scenario, but they do think it's possible uh, on some level that it might well be that they get a ban, uh, a Champions League ban. Um, he did also say that if they are if they are given a Champions League ban, that they probably will take it to court and try and fight FFP at that point. Um, but the, the interesting thing was that Gab Marcotti was saying that when they did the Neymar deal last summer, they actually uh, spoke to UEFA all the way through that process of signing Neymar. They were in contact with UEFA about the FFP side of doing that deal and that UEFA, they kind of sent the numbers over to UEFA and UEFA had said, well, you're going to need an, an increase in your revenues of X amount. Uh, over the next 12 months to justify this signing. And we don't know how you can do that because it seemed like uh, basically that UEFA at the time was sort of saying, well, you know, how do you increase your revenues like that without a related party transaction from, you know, a Qatari company? And we're already, that UEFA are already trying to downscale the sponsorship deals that um, PSG have done with the with the Qatari tourist board. Upshot of all of this is that when they did the Mbappe deal uh, a few weeks after the Neymar deal, that UEFA effectively were like, yeah, they're taking the piss now and decided at that point that they were going to bring charges and that they were going to basically throw the book at them. Um, And the feeling, certainly judging by the conversation that was had, the feeling is very much that uh, this could be a really... uh, big summer for Paris in terms of the fact that they might not be able to finalise that Mbappe deal because it might well be that the sanction simply doesn't allow them to do it. Bear in mind that the, he's on loan at the moment. Um, and I just wonder whether the, because I, I don't know, but there was a lot of in the nose. I mean, fair enough, there's always loads of in the nose on the, on the internet, but there was a lot of in the nose uh, in the last few weeks that were quoting fees for Mares and saying that it was done. And, you know, um, and yet it's all gone very, very, very quiet. And I just wonder whether, I wonder whether City are waiting to see what happens with Paris. I wonder whether they know that the, because I, I think that if I'm on, I, I get the feeling that if Gab Marcotti and Jonathan Johnson feel 
that UEFA are going to try and throw the book at PSG, then you would expect that, you know, the higher ups at City know that UEFA are going to try and throw the book at PSG, in which case Mbappe will come back on the marketplace. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Sam, what do you, what do you, think about that am I is that me clutching at straws because I love Mbappe as a player or do you think that let me put one thing in front of you let's say that next week UEFA sanction Paris and say Mbappe's got to go back to Monaco you can't buy him this summer do you think that that would have an effect do you think that City would move then well, I mean, the info I've always had is that they'd signed Mares and Jorginho now, and then just assess the the Mbappe or Hazard situation later in the summer. You know, with the various different things that need to come into play for those deals to happen. But you know, one of those various different things that needs to happen may be, uh, you know, like somebody leaving, whether it's Aguero or Gundogan or. Someone completely unexpected, or I don't know, whatever. You know, that would be one of the considerations. But maybe, yeah, maybe if the whole Mbappe thing has been brought forward to such a stage where they don't need to wait until after the World Cup, and it's now, they think, well, we could get Mbappe in and not have to get rid of anyone. And then, you know, next summer, the, the forward line is, as it is this last season, with Mbappe as well, rather than, you, you add in Mares, but you take out Aguero and you put in Mbappe and you've maybe got a bit of a lack of experience or you've got two new players to settle in or whatever. So, I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. Maybe that does appeal and maybe they maybe they could just get Mbappe done now without worrying about it. But I, I, I'll, at the same time, I, I do kind of think the Mares stuff is just, is just, you know, dragging on because negotiations drag on. And yeah. the Mbappe thing most likely will be later on. But um, and like I say, the information I had a few weeks ago, and it's information I do trust, is they'd they'd get you know Mares in and then worry about Mbappe later on. So I, I, I still wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. Yeah, I think I am probably clutching at straws, but um, it, it is it was still a an interesting conversation to to see, and it's it's interesting that you know Paris do feel that they're going to get the book thrown at them. And Jonathan Johnson does very much feel that if that entails a ban in the Champions League, then because of the the hit that that their revenue will take, that he feels that Paris at that point will uh, mount a legal challenge to FFP, uh, which would be fascinating if it uh, if it did happen. Uh, right, gentlemen, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna wrap this up very quickly. Sam, thank you very much. Thank you, Howard. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. If you are not members of the 9320 Player, these podcasts will go behind our paywall when the World Cup starts, but just head over to our website and sign up to the player if indeed you do fancy it. We will be doing reviews all the way through the summer and then we'll be covering City's pre-season tour of the States before the season begins again. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. Have a lovely weekend. And as always, up the blues.